Welcome to the Ignite Physio Podcast. This is episode number five, and I'm Andrew Kopian, your host. This podcast focuses on helping Canadian physiotherapists in their clinical practice and careers. Now, if you haven't heard of Ignite Physio before, it's a free, community-driven website for physiotherapists where you can ask and answer practice questions, find useful articles, and access a databank of reviewed clinical resources. In today's episode, I interview Todd Wolanski. He's a physiotherapist working as a clinical lead in rural rehabilitation for Alberta Health Services. I chatted with Todd about seniors' health, which is something he's really passionate about. We cover a fair amount of ground in this interview, and I hope you enjoy. I'd like to introduce you to Todd Wolanski. He's a physiotherapist working as a clinical lead uh, for rural rehabilitation uh, in the Calgary zone uh, with Alberta Health Services. And uh, clinically, Todd's areas of passion and, and expertise are in seniors' health, chronic disease management, health coaching, and exercise prescription. Um, he uh, works in a lead role and he's working with clinicians and operational leaders to help support the delivery of evidence-informed service models. And Todd is an elected council member with uh, Physiotherapy Alberta and a certified coach with the Coaches Training Institute. Uh, he just uh, recently won the uh, award for um, uh, clinical education with, uh, from Physiotherapy Alberta and uh, is a clinical assistant professor with the University of Alberta. Uh, Todd's currently working on his um, uh, seniors' health uh, clinical specialization with the Canadian Physiotherapy Association. Todd's also uh, just recently uh, written an article on the Ignite Physio website about seniors' health and uh, really looking forward to diving in um, today in this uh, conversation around seniors' health. Todd, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks so much, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh, so I know you're you're pretty passionate about uh, seniors' health, and before we we jump into that uh, conversation and into that topic, I'd love to know a little bit more about um, your background, uh, when you started um, um, practicing as a physiotherapist, and a little bit about uh, you know where your your career journey has taken you so far. Yeah, I graduated from the U of A in two thousand four, and. Uh, you know, one of the things I always wanted, like one of my career goals was I wanted to end up working somewhere where I really wanted to vacation to live, right? Mm. And so that early on took me um, took me working in Hinton. I, I lived in Jasper at the time and I was working in Hinton and I had a great mentor early on in my career, one of my clinical preceptors and he was working in Hinton. And so um, I ended up there and early on I was really interested in, um, you know, manual therapy, wanted to get in sports therapy, maybe own my own private clinic. And that was sort of the path I wanted to go down. And mm-hmm. um, Greg was my mentor and he was a great manual therapist. And um, so it kind of worked out there. And then just through exposure um, with the patient population that I was seeing there, um, different programs that we were running, some chronic disease management exercise programs, some balance classes and things like that. Um, my focus and my interest started to shift a little bit. So um, it's it been kind of this twisty, windy journey. Um, I owned a clinic in Jasper for, for or co-owned with, with Sean Fitzgerald, a clinic for about a year. Um, and then, you know, met a girl and she was living <laughs> elsewhere. And so that's brought me to Canmore. So it's been this twisty, windy journey. Wow, that's awesome. So, so now you're in Canmore and uh, working as a practice lead. So tell me a little bit more about what that role consists of. Yeah, so my position actually is split. Um, I am half-time clinical. I still practice in an outpatient department, um, home care and long-term care. And then the other half of it is the clinical lead. Um, 
for the rural communities around Calgary. So if you just envision a big donut of communities surrounding Calgary, um, I help our operational managers kind of uh, look at some of the service delivery in those areas and support our staff with some evidence-based practice and those kinds of things. So what do you uh, think or, or what are you finding are the biggest challenges that uh, you're coming across in um, in some of this, uh, this support and practice lead role in rural communities? You know, that, that's a good question. Um, I would probably say that ability to kind of collaborate and, and learn from each other. In all of our facilities, I think three physios is the most we have working in any any one of those facilities. Hmm. And so that that ability to to connect and to share best practices or, you know, even not even that stuff, even like the informal stuff that you end up doing, you know, when you're talking with your, your coworkers at the end of the day and a lot of that stuff. I mean, there's a bit of di- dialogue there. We have, a, we have, you know, two or three physios sometimes. We have some sites with Soul Charge. And so just really trying to find um, means to connect, uh, to connect those people, which is why your website is, is kind of a cool resource for, mm-hmm. for us folks in rural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's true. I mean, unless you, you know, especially if you're on your own, it's uh, you don't have those opportunities to chat while you're charting or, you know, over a lunch break, uh, you know, bring up a, a challenging uh, patient case. And uh, yeah, I can, I can imagine that can be a little bit isolating. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we have some, uh, you know, sometimes we'll get some newer grads into some of these positions and we're really cognizant about, you know, how do we support those individuals um, if they are on their own or, you know, we had one scenario where we had a community with two physios and both had graduated um, within about a year and a half. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, we really want to make sure we're not leaving people out there on their own, but that they're they're feeling like they have some support. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's huge, especially early career, for sure. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so, so you know, you uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, in Hinton you were doing some of these uh, different programs in terms of balance and uh, chronic disease management. And so is that what sort of sparked your interest in terms of seniors' health? Or wh- where did that uh, sort of, you know, where did that journey start for you? You know, it's been, a, I'd say it's been an evolving process for me. There's sort of, um, I guess if I reflect, there's kind of two two things. You know, early in my university career, I think my first year of university, I read um, The Pig and the Python, right? The, the book about baby boomers and how they're going to change everything. And I was just absolutely fascinated with it. And I've kind of been interested in that cohort ever since. And so I've kind of always been following that. And, and not always from like a clinical perspective, but just an interest in how they shape culture and how they shape economics and, and how they shape our world, really. Um, they've had such a large influence. So I've been fascinated for a long time. And then, you know, I got into the chronic disease management stuff and, and a lot into exercise and behavior change. And without really realizing it, I was kind of working with a lot of seniors, right? I wasn't really looking at it through that lens. And it wasn't until I, um, I kind of looked into the clinical specialization process and they didn't have anything for chronic disease management. So I started to talk to um, Carol Miller, actually, who was working with, with CPA at the time in the specialization program. And she she was saying, you know what, Todd, what do you think about seniors' health? And um, and so I started to look at it more. At first, I wasn't sure if it was the right fit. And um, but then when I kind of reflected on on some of the work I was doing, I could I could see it a little bit more. And that was kind of right around the time I had moved to Canmore as well. And um, the position here was was very much um, a geriatric focused position. And I had a, a really neat coworker who's 
got a lot of experience in seniors health and a lot in the ICF and she had some some interesting ways of thinking about things and all this kind of stuff got me churning and then there was there was a there was one kind of moment or shift when um, I was had a couple students and they were working with a patient and um, the students had to leave the room for a second so the patient just started chit-chatting with me and he said to me he said so this is your life's work and I kind of paused and I never really thought about you know what I do day to day as my life's work but when I went home that day I just kind of started to reflect on that and you know think about what would be different if I approached every day like I was working on my life's work as opposed to a job that you know I'm interested in but wasn't necessarily thinking about it that way and so that really made me want to you know sink my teeth into into the work I was doing and really see you know where can we go with this and, mm -hmm. and what can we do so yeah, really more tapping into you know a core purpose uh, with your work as opposed to it just being yeah, as you said a job that can uh, can often feel like you can easily get burnt out especially when you're working with patients yeah absolutely and I think you touched on another thing there um, the one thing I, I've kind of throughout my career I've always felt with um, with a lot of the senior population there's you're working with people at this really unique time in their life where often they're on a threshold of losing independence or in that they're in that state of frailty often when I see them and so it's an opportunity where you can really have a big difference and a big impact on the direction that 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 person's life goes and so um, certainly there's a load of reward that that comes with that I mean I think that's the reason we one of the main reasons we all go into physio is to be able to to have a positive impact with the people we work with. So yeah, for sure. I know that uh, you know when we've chatted before, you've mentioned you know some of the stigma that um, you know exists working with uh, with uh, seniors or geriatric population. What what are some of the things that you've been uh, you know that you've heard over the years um, as you've you know dived into this area more? Yeah, a lot. <laughs> I don't know if I want to say all of them. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's fine. Yeah. You know, everything from um, you're, you're wasting your time in this area. These people are, you know, they're already near the end. You can't really have that much impact. I hear that. Mm -hmm. um, I've heard, oh, great, you know, you're you're taking it easy and checking out and walking the oldies, one, one person said to me. Um, the worst one I got was, it wasn't from a health professional, thank goodness, um, but an individual, I was kind of, they're asking what I do. And I, I told them, I told them my area of interest and they said, Ooh, you have to touch old people. Oh no. And it was, you know, so there's the, there's all these stigmas out mm -hmm. there. Um, and, uh, I just love it. I really yeah. enjoy the area. So, um, I'm happy to try and break down any of the, the myths, but you know, the interesting thing when I, um, I do a little bit of, um, guest lecturing with the with the University of Alberta for their geriatrics course, and um, each year I've been doing this for the last three or four years, and each year I kind of take a poll about you know how many people think they may be interested in in seniors' health, and I, I certainly am seeing that shift even in that short period of time. Mm. Wow! Well, now maybe they're just trying to please the instructor, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but I get a lot of people that um, even after the class are like you know. You guys don't have to sell us on this stuff. It's an area of interest for us already, and so that's kind of rewarding to hear. There, there seems to be a bit of a shift in in people's perspective, I guess. Because hmm. I know in your in your article that you uh, published on Ignite, 
um, you know, your, the title of the article is Why Seniors Health uh, Physiotherapy is the New Sexy. I mean, that's a pretty bold uh, claim uh, to make or statement. And, and uh, uh, tell me a little bit more about <laughs> why you have such confidence in terms of it being the new sexy. Well, you know, I was thinking a lot about um, sort of my own career and how I want to continue to develop and grow. Um, and, and I kind of looked at a lot of Neil Pearson's work with, with chronic pain and sort of, you know, founding that chronic pain division and, um, and then just, I, I don't know. And there's, you know, there's not just one person, there's so many people that are contributing to that. Um, but what I, what I think is interesting is to see how when I was in school, uh, when I was doing my physio degree, that chronic pain thing was just not an area of interest for anyone. It was something like the plague that everyone just wanted to avoid and not deal with. And through, you know, people like Neil Pearson and, and so many others, um, really kind of bringing the research and the interest um, and the science behind pain and really making it interesting. You know, there's I, all my students come out now and they're, they're all interested in this stuff and they're fascinated by the, the psychology of it and, you know, how the brain works. And, and so I kind of was thinking about all of those things and I was like, you know what, that's where seniors health needs to go. It's got to get to that point where we're talking about it and we're excited about it and we have, you know, great researchers doing great research on it. And, and we already do have a lot of great researchers, so that's no disrespect to any, any of the researchers out there. But I, you know, a lot of times they're, they're not talking about it or really promoting it. It's kind of that thing. Oh yeah, I work in seniors health, but you know, let's talk about it. Let's, yeah. let's get excited about it. Yeah. Well, you, you did mention in the article too, about just some of the demographic uh, changes that are taking place. I know you had said in, in 2011, there were 5 million Canadians over the age of 65. So about, you know, 14% of all Canadians. And then by 2036, this number is uh, expected to be 10.5 million, which is uh, basically you know 100% uh, growth rate over that uh, period. Um, so I mean that's it's obviously uh, you know I think I think we need to you know take a closer look and, and put more of an emphasis on that. And um, I mean some of those stats I mean you know in you know it's just it's quite mind-boggling in terms of even just the cost to the healthcare system um, and and the impact on that as well. Um, any any comments on that or where, where cause, I mean obviously you're doing a lot of planning with the uh, AHS around you know service delivery models and all that uh, I mean is that obviously this must be a you know pretty significant uh, uh, element in terms of your planning of service delivery as well yeah I mean it's interesting um, in my clinical lead role right now um, I'm working with a group that within AHS and they're kind of looking at our community rehab services and um, how can we improve these services? And in doing that work, we've done, you know, a bunch of environmental scanning of, of different regions within Canada, um, internationally, the UK, Australia, you know, a number of different places. And I think th those numbers are kind of forcing us to shift the way we do business in healthcare. When you look at, um, so there's the population growth aspect. And then there's also the fact that, when we get older, we use more healthcare. And I, I think in the article, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I think it's something like, you know, per capita, it's about $2,000 a year for adults under 65 in Canada, the cost of healthcare. And then the cost of healthcare over 65 per capita is something like, I think, $11,000 um, $11, a year. So when you put those two things together, that huge increase in, um, 
in the number of older adults we have in our population. And the fact that they often are the users of healthcare in the way we currently deliver our system. I think fundamentally, we're going to have to shift um, the way we do business a little bit. So what do you think that looks like, though? I mean, you know, because I mean, obviously, you know, uh, you know, the healthcare system, you know, very much is uh, private clinics, uh, you know, some of the, you know, uh, hospital based services, which, you know, almost have seemed to have have been decreasing over the years. Um, and so, uh, yes, where do you think that's going to be going in terms of service delivery? Yeah, you know, that, that is the good question. Or is that, is that, that is yeah. the question? That I, I, what, what's happening, I can speak to a little bit um, from the publicly funded service perspective. Kind of what I'm seeing is really um, a bit of a shift more towards that chronic, those chronic disease management models, um, more towards um, group-based services if, if they're possible and if you can deliver them effectively. Um, I also see a shift of services out of out of the public system and into into the community and i'm using that term community in a broad sense because it may be um you know private physio clinics but they're also looking at how do we integrate with community centers and um other existing programs that already occur in the community and so even stepping down from sometimes even a health healthcare professional delivering some of those services if they feel that community members can deliver those services. So, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of shift out of more expensive, um, you know, facility-based programs and moving into the community. And and that's where, that's part of the sexy part for me because, you know, I can, I can just anticipate all the opportunity that's going to be out there for individuals who are kind of innovative and creative. Um, and I think our profession, Andrew, is just so well positioned to support Canadians to age well. Like I just think our skill set with our understanding of pathophysiology, of movement, um, of exercise, all of those things just align so well to support these individuals in aging well. And so, you know, that's what kind of gets me excited. Well, yeah, no, I mean, it is, it is, uh, it is exciting because I mean, I think there is uh, so much of a shift that's going on in the healthcare space, you know, in terms of, uh, I think some of this jockeying for position as well in terms of you know, who's going to take a lead role in some of these, um, these different conditions and patient populations. Um, so, you know, what do you think, you know, someone that's working in a private clinic setting, you know, uh, you know, cause obviously, you know, that can sometimes be a little bit of a challenge when you're, you know, in a busy clinic, uh, and sometimes the, the needs and, and demands are a little different for, for a senior's population. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think that's the fascinating question, right? To me, because, um, and I'm not the expert. I don't profess to be the expert in, you know, business systems or anything like that, right? But it's like, how do we, within kind of the current paradigm of private practice business models, and I, I don't mean to lump it all in, and I don't pretend to be aware of all the different models, right? But kind of from what I see, I have a lot of colleagues, friends that that work in private practice. Um, it's like, how do we just tweak that model in the right way and enough so we can accommodate providing a little extra time when we need to, or providing a deeper dive into services when we need to. Now, I don't think everyone over 65 needs a longer treatment time, right? There's loads of people who don't. Um, but I think that's kind of going to be the key is for people working in busy private practices to be able to start to identify um, how, do I, how do I figure out which person needs more time? 
And is that from me? Am I the right person to, to do a deeper dive of an assessment? Or do I need to refer them back to their family physician or um, like a, a complex chronic disease nurse or to a PCN program? But I think being that liaison piece in a private practice um, is going to be, a, you know, an important skill set coming up. Mm-hmm, for sure. So um, what do you see uh, in terms of, you know, the, some of the key skills that uh, are, are really important in terms of when you're, you know, if you're wanting to focus a little more in the seniors health um, area, what, what would you say, uh, you know, clinicians should be focusing on? Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess I kind of have two answers to that one. It, it depends. The area is so broad, right? Yeah. So I think there's certainly opportunity to specialize and do a deep dive within seniors health. So if you want to, you know, be an expert in osteoporosis or an expert in Parkinson's, then obviously um, the skill sets are going to change and you're going to have a, a deeper focus there. Um, if if I'm thinking more generic, like outpatient physiotherapist, um, one of the skills I think is really important is our ability to get good information. How do we take a history, um, you know, you know what it's like to to take a history sometimes from some of our some of our older patients that maybe they trail off a little bit or their thoughts jump from place to place if they have a little bit of cognitive impairment. How do you still effectively get in good good information from that patient, and how do you sort of dance with them so you are allowing them to have that narrative and kind of give you their story, um, but you're still doing it in a structured way and getting the information that you need. Um, that's one, that's one I think is really, really important. The other would be, um, sense making. So you kind of, you get all this information and then I think to be able to put that picture together, because, um, the more conditions we have, um, the greater it can impact us, especially as we age, just like polypharmacy really, right? Like if you have one or two medications, your chance for drug interactions aren't great. But if you have, you know, five or six, exponentially it gets worse and they're finding that with um, individuals functional ability functional ability as you start to um, increase the number of chronic health conditions an individual has their rates of um, disability actually start to increase exponentially and so your ability to make sense of that entire picture not just necessarily you know they referred to us for a rotator cuff injury you know, shoulder injury please assess and treat um, okay, that's good. But what other things do they have impacting their overall system and their ability to manage um, this new this new injury they have? And, and kind of making sense of that whole picture and how that fits together. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not like that uh, that idea of the of the injury pool, right? As we get older, you know, the injuries start to accumulate and it's <laughs> get a little more complicated to treat. And I think that you know, as you're saying it, it. it uh, can get just even that more challenging when you're dealing with a lot of comorbidities uh, in that patient population. So, so Todd, do you have any tools or, or um, tips or tricks that you you know that you've found to be helpful in terms of uh, the sense making uh, with patients? Yeah, you know, I think it's um, having that good understanding of the common geriatric conditions and syndromes that are out there. So you can kind of recognize those patterns when you're looking for them. And then the other really is just a lot of exposure. Um, as with anything, you know, the more we see, I think the better we get at sense making. And so 
you know, I think that foundational understanding of those common geriatric condi conditions and syndromes, and then that exposure are, are kind of two important aspects. Okay, cool. I know you mentioned earlier in the interview the ICF, and I literally have not uh, heard the acronym <laughs> since I've been in school. So I, I'd love to know a little bit more about, are you actually using this in, in practice? Uh, yeah, and I respond to that. No, it's, uh, I, I remember being in school as well, and all of our professors just driving into us how important the ICF is and then going out into practice and never seeing it show up anywhere. And um, my colleague um, is very well versed in the ICF. She's went to Switzerland and like actual to the ICF center and is, is one of the most knowledgeable people I know in it. So she's always kind of been pushing me to get into this model. And, and I resisted her for quite a few years. Um, but the more and more I, I was working with, with this geriatric population, the more sense it was making to me. Um, and in one of my coming articles, I'm going to talk about um, kind of assessing the complex patient. And actually, the, um, the American Geriatric Society has a really nice paper on, you know, how do we assess in a, in a stepwise fashion this complex older adult patient. And it's, it's all grounded in the ICF. It's really having that understanding of, um, you know, what, what are the list of the conditions that this individual is dealing with? What impairments are a result of that? And how is that affecting this ability, this person's abilities to function day to day, really? And then the other piece that I think is so important in, in seniors' health is those contextual factors around um, the personal habits and then the environmental factors and do they have good family support and what kind of housing do they live in and how close is the grocery store and so all of those pieces of information that we all were you know taught <laughs> in school and then we went out in the real world and never really saw that um, I'm really really finding it a, a useful model and I actually now with my students I, I use that model I actually just print off that ICF framework and after we take a history, I just get them to take a history however they want, whatever whatever system makes sense to them or works for them. And then we actually plot out their history into the ICF. And I use that to help them make sense of the information that they found. Um, and then not only that, to start to identify, okay, what are our possible treatment plans? How can we either help this person increase their overall ability or reduce the demands that are being placed on them? So it, it's turned into a, a model that I actually love, and I never thought I would say that, Andrew. <laughs> I know. I, I have not heard many people say that, so this, you are one of the first. Yeah, I have. Joan Loomis was one of my neuro <laughs> professors back, way back when, and she's uh, she actually moved to Canmore. Um, I ran into her in the grocery store, so I'll have to tell her because she was always big on, big <laughs> yeah, on the ice. Right. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's great. Um, so what would you, uh, you know, what courses and, uh, you know, uh, conferences would you recommend if someone was interested in seniors health? Like what, uh, what would you say? You know, there's a question on the, um, a comment on the article that I wrote about that. And, it, you know, it's an area I don't think we have really good structure in it right now. I think there's some excellent condition specific courses. Um, Osteoporosis Canada has a bone fit course. Um, there's a LSVT course for Parkinson's disease. Um, 
there's some really good uh, vestibular rehab courses from from your website. I asked a question about that, and a whole bunch of people said Bernard Tonks is you know is the guy. And so I do think we have really good sort of um, condition specific courses, but I haven't really found anything um, that I that I love that is more kind of that overall geriatric picture. You know, like in nursing, they have you can do a geriatric certificate, right? Um, and I haven't seen that here in Canada yet. Um, I have talked a little bit with the seniors health division of the CPA, and I know they're doing a, I believe they're doing a environmental scan right now of um, what's kind of the entry level training in geriatrics that that our Canadian physiotherapists are getting. And then they're going to try and do a bit of a gap analysis to identify, you know, what's the right curriculum to build. So I, I think they're building some of that. The other one place, though, that I, I would say is pretty good, and it's actually quite convenient. Um, the American Physiotherapy Association, they have a learning center and it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool resource. It's all webinars, so you can do it all online and you can kind of do it at your time. And their section on geriatrics has some pretty nice courses that you can do as well. So that could be another, um, another place to look. Awesome. Well, it's great because I mean, I think that, uh, you know, I think there's definitely, as you said, uh, you know, more people becoming interested in seniors health as, as a practice area specialty and, uh, you know, I think that often it's hard to navigate, uh, you know, which courses or conferences to go to, to help, uh, you know, you know, bump up your knowledge and, uh, and expertise levels. So that's good. I think that's definitely helpful. Todd, it's been great having you on the uh, podcast today. I think there's been some great info uh, that you've shared uh, with our listeners. And um, I'm really excited to see, uh, you know, where, you, where you're taking uh, Seniors Health in Alberta and, and throughout Canada. Yeah, thanks so much, Andrew. It's uh it's been good to be here and I, you know, I love talking about this, so I appreciate the opportunity. Awesome. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Todd. To find the show notes for this episode, just head over to the Ignite Physio website at ignitephysio.ca forward slash blog to find the podcast. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to our show on iTunes. And if you like the show, I'd love for you to leave a review. If you have any questions, topic ideas, or would be interested in being a part of the show, let me know by just dropping me a line at hello at ignitephysio.ca. Take care.